Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week two of our series entitled Playbook, which is outlining our strategy as a church. One of the main components of our strategy is growing in our faith and maturity as a Christian. Joining us this week with a template for how we can grow as Christians is the general manager of Word FM, our friend, the Reverend Tom Lemon. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning. Yeah, I remember that play. How about you? Yeah, some of you are like, I think so. Well, I'm Tom Lemon. I am uh, the general manager of Word FM. Anybody Word FM people out here? All right. Thank you. My family thanks you. My family... No. But um, in all seriousness, I was a listener before I ever worked there, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. I pastored for 21 years uh, along with that. And so uh, I've, I've gotten to know Jared. You know, Jared and I met at Olive Garden. Jared likes food. (laughs) And I noticed that because as soon as I said I was buying, we had a lot of food. And, uh, but uh, he is such a friend and he is such a blessing. Uh, And when he asked me to to speak months ago, I was so grateful. And I just want to say, first of all, uh, this church has been a huge blessing to me and my family. Um, ever since I stepped back from pastoring and, and just working full-time uh, at the radio station, running the radio stations, uh, this has been a haven for us. And that's because you people are awesome. And I mean that from my heart. And so it is great to be here with you. This is one of my last months in the great state of Pennsylvania. My family and I have been called to be missionaries to Florida. <laughs> Can I get an Amen. So pray for me in February, positively, okay? But uh, we'll be moving down there. I have a different role inside the company, and we just got a lot of things going on in our life, and so we're grateful for that. And so today I'm sitting here thinking, boy, we got all this stuff going on. I literally have three packs with me right now. I get a fourth pack when I get over there because I'm switching from singing and speaking and singing and speaking in two different sanctuaries, and that is just because God is good. Amen? Now, I'm a Baptist guy. You're going to get Baptocostal today, all right? Or Baptist, whatever you want to be, but we'll say amen a little bit. Well, Ephesians, what a great book. The book of Ephesians, Paul writes this to the believers in Ephesus, and they've got all kinds of stuff going crazy. In fact, there are temple worshiping things that are going on that because we have kids in here today, we can't even talk about. And if you're honest with yourself, when you think about what today looks like, None of us could have imagined the moral compass spinning like it is in our day and age, right? And Paul is writing to a group of believers that are just knee-deep in that kind of stuff. And he starts off by saying the ascended and descended, and some of us are saying, what in the world does that mean? And what Paul is doing is laying a great foundation for you and me. When we think about this growth that you and I should have, we have to hearken back to what Jesus said before he left this earth. And Jared said it last week. He said the Great Commission. Jesus said in a commandment, go. Can everyone say that with me this morning? Go. Go. You're better than that. Let's go one more time. Go. Yes. And here's what that means in the Greek. Go. Isn't that great? You you can leave today and say, I know Greek. It means go. It's imperative. Here's what Jesus was saying. It's not optional. There are some things when we come across them in Scripture that are just not optional. Go is just one of those moments 
that it's not optional. The Lord is not asking if everything aligns or if we feel good about it or if everything is perfect, but he's telling us to go. I can tell you with the transition of my life right now, moving to a different state, there's a lot of fears. But God said go. And when God says go, we, if we're following him, we go. We follow what he said. One thing that Paul is doing is he's laying out a great theological term in verses 8 and 9. It's called justification. He's sharing to the believers in Ephesus that you never have to worry if the Lord Jesus Christ has the power to save you and I from our sins. In fact, if you and I walked into church this morning and we had the daunting task of paying for every sin that we committed just in the last 48 hours, we could be totally overwhelmed let alone if, like in my case, it's been the last 47 years. You cannot do it in and of your own strength. You need someone who has descended to the depths and the pains of what the penalty for sin is and ascended to what the glory of what it's like to be holy and righteous and blameless. And so here's what Paul is saying. You can rest in your justification. What does that mean? That means that you and I can leave this sanctuary this morning, this Wilson Hall, and we can know that our sins are forgiven because Jesus Christ paid the debt for our sin. But you cannot just know him as a savior. You have to know him as your savior. And what that means is there's a time in your life that you've humbled yourself and you have said, Jesus, I need you to pay this sin debt. I need to be reconciled. I cannot do it. And the moment that you do that in your heart... Here's what the scripture says. You are now justified, which means just if I'd never sinned. That's how God looks at you, and that's how God looks at me. Isn't that great? Amen? Amen. You don't have to work your way there because you can't. And so after he sets that tone, he goes into the next phase of another big theological term called sanctification. Sanctification is God working out and expressing out himself in our lives, making us more like him. And so he goes on and shares these different roles. He talks about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. In many ways, I think my dad was that all in one. He just had all these gifts. And he loved evangelism. One of the things my dad loved to do when we would go to a restaurant is evangelize. Now, how would you do that? We would sit down for lunch, and my dad would always ask the waitress, can we be in the center of the restaurant? (laughs) And we would sit down in the center of the restaurant, and my dad would begin to pray in his preacher voice. (laughs) And he would say, oh God, Thank you for this day. Thank you for all those that are around us. Some of them are on their way to hell. (laughs) But you, in your infinite love, have sat us right here so they can hear the goodness that is found in you when they confess their sin and they ask you to come into their heart that they might receive you for eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for this chicken. (laughs) Bless it now. Amen. Wouldn't you like your Sunday afternoons to be filled like that? That was my childhood. Yeah. I mean, there were times my brother and I would just try to slide under the table as as far as we possibly could. 
And then we were so grateful for the amen. But what my dad was doing is he wanted to be an evangelist. There was a lot of people that shaped him that way. And what Paul goes on to write in these different uh, people that he says in these different positions, there are people that have had that type of position in your life and they're helping you to grow in the way that you should. So if Jesus tells us that we have to go and he tells us that we need to be a believer that's following him, it can be a daunting task. And as I thought about this great message that I had been given to try to share with you, I was reminded of a template that I have put in my life that's been a help to me, and I'd like to share it with you. And and if it helps you, great. And if it doesn't, great. (laughs) But I tried. And so here's what I've learned a long time ago. That every one of us that's in this room today, in one situation or area in our life of, of growth in Christ, we're in one of these quadrants. Here they are. It's real easy. It's watch, learn, and do. It's just watch, learn, and do. And so whenever you might get a little sideways in life, or maybe feeling overwhelmed that you're not growing at the pace that you want to grow, I want you to hearken back to this little template that hopefully will stick with you, and that is to watch, then to learn, than to do. You know, I have ambitious boys. I really do. My son said to me uh, about six months ago, let's rebuild a motorcycle. I said, why? Can I get an amen? Yeah. Because he had been watching YouTube and he watched how they put a motorcycle together. And I said to him, your dad is good at writing checks. I am not good at redoing this and that and that Jimimi and whatever, but YouTube has given him a whole new epiphany that he can do about anything. But I want to tell you this morning, here's my goal. I'm going to share a few things that were painful in life for me, but also some things that encourage me to continue to watch, to learn, and to do. And can I tell you this morning that watching... When we think about this watching principle, this is when we're seeking to understand the task that God has in front of us. Watching. Paul saying to the church of Ephesus, you don't have to worry about your justification. God looks at you in the way that you should be viewed from heaven. But now you've got to move on and now you've got to adhere to what he wants you to do. Notice in verse 12, well, verse 11, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles. Here's Something to really focus in on. It's Jesus Christ who did this. It wasn't the church that formulated this. It is Christ who said, you need apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. May I share to you this morning that all of us have a little bit of that in us in certain situations and moments in our life. There are times that God is going to call you to be the teacher or preacher in this setting, if you will. Not necessarily in this church. But maybe you're in a moment, you're at a job. Maybe at your job, everybody there is an unbeliever. How do you know it? You see it every day. And maybe your prayer every day is, God, please get me out of here. <laughs> Can I get a name? Some of you are pointing. I, I, wow. Okay. And... And I want to tell you, you shouldn't pray that. But rather you should say, Lord, what do you want me to be? To the people that are around me, should I be a teacher? Should I be one that's 
being evangelistic? Should I be one that's praying? Should I be one that's encouraging? Should I be one that's helping to shepherd the people that you've given me so that they might grow? Notice what verse 12 says. He's given us these rules to equip who? His people. The interesting thing I've learned throughout the time of ministry, my biggest role as a pastor wasn't to be the primary teacher in every situation in everyone's life but rather to help others learn how to teach others how to know who Christ is, what he's done for them, and how to grow in him. And so I tell you this morning, you and I will all stand before Jesus Christ. We all will. If you know Jesus as your Savior, as I said a few moments ago, it's going to be a great experience. If you don't know him, it will not be. But if you know him as your Savior, here's one thing that I believe the Savior is going to want to know from you. What did you do with the skills and gifts and abilities I've given you? Did you just stay in the watch quadrant in your growth of life? I will submit to you this morning that those that just stay in the watching phase will never grow to a great expanse in their Christian life. They will sound more like the end of our text that says that they are tossed to and fro. And so if you would ask yourself this morning, where am I in my growth with Christ? My question would be, are you tossed to and fro? When any little thing comes at you, do you go sideways immediately? Or do you have that underpinning of God's grace that's living inside of you and living out through your life? One of the great things I've been able to experience in the last two months was meeting a mortgage lender and a real estate agent and sharing with them that it was faith that was bringing us down. At the closing, well, 48 hours before the closing, the mortgage lender called me and said, do you like steak? That is a dumb question with me. I said, I love steak, Josh. He said, great. Jeff and I, we want to take you to dinner. I said, well, why would you want to take me to dinner? Now, listen, I'm all in because you said steak. He said, there's something about you that we don't have, and we want to know more about that. Listen, I'm not that great. I'm not that smart, but I got Jesus, and they don't. And the Lord Jesus Christ will attract people to you. You just live out your faith. And I want to tell you, when you're not spending all the time watching, but you're spending time learning and you're spending time growing, you will see there are a lot of people that are out watching. Because why? They want to learn because they want to grow. So you spend time watching. Then you spend time learning. Then you spend time going and doing what the Lord has called you to do. Now, when I think about this, I think about the author. You know, about the author back sleeve at times that you see in a book. Paul... He's the author of this text. God inspired Paul. You think about Paul's life? Paul's life, his ministry life, started in the exact opposite place that most of us would like to start your ministry life. He was killing the same people that he would try to reach and promote. Think about that for a moment. That's where God put Paul. And he said, Paul, I want you to watch. If you notice that Paul's conversion in Damascus... After that, he had to go watch, and then he learned, and then he went out and started doing. Now, let me give a caution. There are some of us here today that we just like to go do. Anybody know anybody like that? We just like to do, 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 do. 
But unless you spend some time watching and spend some time learning, you won't know how to do what you're supposed to do. In Paul's case, God had to blind him because he knew Paul was a doer. And there are times where God's got to set us back a little bit. And then we cry out to God, God, why is all this against me? Why doesn't all this just happen right now? Anybody ever pray that prayer? Lord, I am all in with you and your timing, but that timing needs to be now. Right? Here's something I've learned. God isn't late. God isn't early. But he's always right on time. He's always right on time. So then Paul goes from there and he writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15. And I think it will be on the screen here. You'll be able to see. Here's what he says in watching. Brothers, sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach. Now, why do I bring this up? Because way back when in my Christian life, I had a young person come to me and said, I've been witnessing to people at work. And some guy threw me for a loop. He said, you talk about this gospel thing. What is it? He said, I didn't know. So I said, well, let me tell you. And he said, the guy said, I don't even think the word gospel is in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15. I want to remind you of the what? Gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. It's the gospel. We've got to take in the gospel. What is it? By this gospel, you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you. Notice, when you watch, you learn, and then you go and do. You've you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as uh, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 and he goes on to write this so that we would understand what the gospel does so if you're at stage one this morning and you're just trying to understand why is it that people come to church they come to church because of the gospel they come to church because they want to know who this Jesus is that was that that gave his life for your sins and for mine Then he moves on from this passage, and you can begin to see how Paul is learning and teaching others. And he comes to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, and he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, he's he's moved on from the, the documentation of we know that Jesus is the Christ because he was crucified and buried and rose again, showing us victory over sin and death. And now he's moving on to this portion of scripture and he is saying not only do I know that but I also know that it is the power it is the power that transforms transforms lives so he's learning so that he might do so that example of watch learn do I love it summed up in Acts 26 Paul is standing in front of King Agrippa and Paul knows that death is looming. And Paul also knows that if Paul could change his message, it would be real easy for him to take an easy way out. But he also knows that God has called him to something far greater than that. And let me tell you, friends, God has called you and I something for something far greater than temporal pleasures. And that's an eternal time with him. And so as he stands in front of him in Acts 27 or 26, 
uh, starting in verse 17, here's what Paul says. He said, The Lord came and shared with him, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. And I'm sending you to them to what? To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. How powerful. How powerful it is when we begin to watch so we, so we can learn. And then once we learn, so that we can do. I want to tell you this morning that a church that has great power is a church that's filled with people that aren't content with just watching. Can I tell you that's one of the hardest things for me to do in church life is just to sit back and watch. I get antsy. I want to do stuff. But I've learned I've got to spend some time watching so that I can then learn. Learn what God is teaching me so that I might then go do what He has called me to do. Now, when you do that, it's very vulnerable. It's, it's very tough. It could, it could not go the way that you want it to go. Listen, if there's one excuse I have heard summed up from every excuse when I've challenged someone to grow in Christ, it is this. I am not able. Right? I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. There is none of those things will work for me, Pastor Tom. You don't understand. I've got this deficiency or I've got that. Well, let me tell you, there's a guy in my dad's life that really, really did a lot for him. His name was Ken Kikasola. I'm not making that up. Ken Kikasola really shaped my dad. My dad would go back to him as a reference point often. Ken Kikasola, I remember him. Ken, in the 70s, he wore the craziest leisure suits you'd ever seen in your entire life. They're probably in fashion today, but I mean, it was crazy. He had the thickest glasses I'd ever seen. They were dark. He had sugar. Ken was one of those guys. And I think he didn't just eat one breath mint. He had like nine of them in his mouth at all times. But Ken was passionate about Jesus Christ. I remember there were times that my mom, if you ever meet my mom, she's the greatest mom on the planet. Sweet, kind. And she even said to Ken one day, you just got to get out of this house. You're driving me nuts. That, that says a lot. But Ken was something in my dad's life. And Ken taught my dad that no matter what you might have, that other people look at you weird or think that you're different, God can use you. And because of that, it shaped my dad. And you have to understand this. My dad's father never told him that he loved him until he was 61 years old. My dad's father was an alcoholic. My grandfather beat my dad, my aunts, and my grandma. And it wasn't until my grandfather reached the age of 61 that he gave his life to Christ and he changed. But my, my dad never stopped loving him. And my dad said, I'm going to be a change agent. And when my dad received Christ, my dad made it a point. There isn't a week that goes by in my life that my dad doesn't call me and tell me, Son, I love you. Now that's made a big difference in my life. My dad could have said, I can't do this. I didn't have the right role model. I didn't have the right upbringing. Instead, he said, I will watch 
those around me that are doing it right, I will learn how to do it, and I will just go like Nike used to say, just do it. So I take you back. It was fourth grade. I was sitting in a music class. This will be hard for you to believe. I was cracking jokes. And I remember Ms. Fox, um, Ms. Fox, Ms. Fox would, uh, she didn't like jokesters, so consequently she didn't like me. Um, And she picked a song for uh, someone to sing. And so what she would do is uh, she she would say, you're going to sing this song with just the piano in front of the whole class. Now, I grew up in a home that we didn't have a whole lot of uh, music outside of gospel music. And so when she picked this song, it was uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Like a bridge over troubled water. Let me tell you, there was a lot of troubled water with me singing that. Thank you. Those are some cool shoes, by the way. Wish I could rock those. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I, I got up and I gave my best. Like a bridge. It was horrible. I mean, I think even the mice that were in the walls were laughing. I mean, it was that bad. But no lie, here's what Ms. Fox said. Your voice is terrible. You should just stick to being funny, because you'll never sing. True story. So you know what I did? I didn't sing. And it wasn't until I was in choir at church, and I didn't sign up for choir... I did one of those things in my home. If you're not home uh, by the time the street lights come on. Anybody else a witness to that? You know, my dad had board meetings. He made motions. I carried him out. Can I get a witness? Amen. Yeah. And so my punishment was to go sing in the choir. And so while singing in the choir, Joyce, a great choir director, came over to me and said, Sweetheart, why don't you sing? And I pointed back to Ms. Fox. And I just believed her words. And here's what she said. She doesn't know anything. Because when God gets in somebody, he can do anything. And do you know, I've led worship for 5,000 people. Isn't that pretty cool? Because see, Miss Fox, she doesn't know everything. But also when I started, I want you to know that journey wasn't easy. That's how my first worship set sounded like. Yeah. It was behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. And here's how it went. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. No lie, that's better than my first time. And it was so bad that the lady in the second row was crying. She was laughing so hard. Yeah, yeah. 
and when I got down to my seat, I just wanted to melt into the, to the pew. Anybody else ever have one of those moments? And like a good pastor, here's what my pastor said. Praise God for Brother Tom. He's got talent, doesn't he? Yeah, would you stand with me? Here's what I want to tell you. Never give up. We've been told that we have to go. We have to go. And so don't let what one disappointment that's come in your life shape you for your entire life. Because then you wouldn't be leading worship with a great group of people at Christ Church at Grove Farm and be able to sing. The splendor of the King. Sing it with me, would you? Clothed in majesty, but all the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice. But he wraps himself in light. And darkness tries to hide. Trembles at his voice. Trembles at his voice. Come on. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great. How great is our God. Age to age. Age to age. content with just staying and watching or just staying and learning but watch learn and do let's pray God I ask this morning that you would take that one 
that one that is seeking for you and seeking to know more about you and wanting to love you with all that they are. Help them to move along the way. Help there to be a a holy restlessness for those today. May those words of watching and learning and doing be burned into our hearts and minds that we might remind ourselves that you have declared for us to go so that we might not just stay in a watching phase or learning phase, that we might watch, learn, and do. It's in your name I pray these things. Amen.